Hey, this is Gratuitous. Welcome to Music Production Made Simple, the show that focuses on best practices about music production, which is based on FL Studio. If you're wanting to become the best producer you can be, subscribe and listen weekly. You can also check out my courses, which teach you the principles and basics of music production. They'll get you up and running quickly. In addition, I also have books on Amazon and tons of music on Spotify. Always feel free to hit me up at hi at itsgratuitous.com. So let's get into the episode. All right, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 11. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what is the goal of mixing, as well as the analog versus digital debate. This is something that's kind of bothered me more in recent years uh, when it comes to the analog and digital world. Just want to talk a little bit about some personal stuff. So I recently just bought a new skateboard. I'll I'll take a picture of it and post it on this actual episode page. Um, My buddy, he got a whole bunch of blank decks shipped out to him. And uh, whenever a skateboard kind of gets old or whatever, I'll just purchase one from him. Uh, The most recent one, uh, he had blue grip tape. So he put some blue grip tape on and then I spray painted it yellow. And then he has this cool little stencil where we just spray painted some kind of like letters with a stencil. It's just kind of fun. Just kind of making your board unique also another reason why i did that is because it's nice to know uh, your nose from your tail as you're skateboarding another thing i've been working on on like the business side of things is i've actually been trying to get my courses into a lot of different distributors so i've been dealing with like a lot of contracts a lot of kind of meticulous tasks like re-exporting videos a certain way or just kind of adjusting like the artwork because every single distributor might have different specifications and with my catalog now it's constantly growing i now have 18 courses it's like if they want one change it's like it's not just i have to change it for that one course it's like i have to change it for 18 courses so there's quite a bit of repetitive work there but at the end of the day it's worth it because you know the benefit of an online business is for the most part it's passive income so you know yes i'm putting in that work up front but now it's going to work for me hopefully like forever right so that's kind of what i've been working on right now just kind of getting my courses out there to these different distributors that sell you know sound kits and sell courses and stuff like that so eventually you're going to start seeing my name out there more hopefully within these online uh, stores. So let's get into the podcast. When you're first started, you know, you've learned how to kind of use the music program. You've learned to make the beat and then now you're trying to mix and you have absolutely no idea what you're doing, but you're diving in. You know, you've put all your actual sounds to each individual mixer insert. You've pulled up EQs. You're just experimenting. You're trying things out. And in all honesty, this is what you have to do. You have to kind of get your hands dirty and just try stuff. Okay. I'll talk a little bit about some tips that you can use to improve your mixes uh, to kind of speed you up. But I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit, you know, generally of what your goal is of mixing and mixing as a whole. Okay, so mixing really is an art. And just like an actual painter would go to paint a, a picture, you know, they have all their different types of tools too. you know, like they have their actual canvas. They have different sizes of brushes, different colors, uh, you know, depending on what kind of art that they are doing. You know, they might be using different materials. They might mix colors or they might, uh, you know, use different types of products to achieve a, a certain look. And that's the thing with mixing too. You have to learn these different types of tools that are available to you so that you can take advantage and give your music the sound that you're wanting, okay? Again, when you're new, you know, you're unsure of like what's proper, what you're allowed to do, and if what you're doing is like, you know, if it's even like allowed in the industry, because you kind of think to yourself, it's like, if I'm going to release this music, uh, is something going to be wrong with it? If some, you know, like, is there going to be like maybe some distortion that I'm unaware of, or is there a problem? Is there phase problems? And you really have no idea what you're really doing. But again, it is really important to get your hands dirty and, you know, just start trying to mix. Now, when it comes to mixing, when you're first starting, there's a lot of dangerous information out there 
on the forums and in certain videos. And in addition, you know, there's many debates with what's proper and like the analog versus digital and, you know, what approach you should be taking. Okay. So in my opinion, your overall goal of mixing is balance. Okay. And that's something that I've discovered later on as I've been mixing my music. When I first started, I was always trying to get each individual instrument to really stand out. Okay, and when you do this, many times you can actually take away from your song because like what you want to be listening for in your song is does your song sound like a song? Okay, so when you hit play, does the song actually sound full? Does it sound like, you know, it's enjoyable, it's a nice rhythm and it's just nice and full, right? That's what you want to be listening for. Now, don't get me wrong. If certain you know elements of the song are not standing out, yeah, you can go in with some EQ and some compression and fine tune it to get it to where you want. But if you're over processing, you know, you might be making that sound sound you know kind of weird in context of what it originally was. The biggest thing that I want you to understand is when you hit play, does your song sound like a song? Is it enjoyable? Is it full of rhythm? You know that kind of stuff. Uh, one important point is now. Some instruments, they may not be able to be heard like audibly, okay? So in other words, like, you know, you might be using EQ and compression and no matter what you're doing, like you really can't get it to stand out. Um, but the thing is, as soon as you actually remove that instrument, you know, through soloing or through muting, sometimes you can actually instantly hear that, oh, wow, now the song's missing something, okay? So let me repeat that one more time. So if you're working on your track and if there's like that one instrument, and this is typically like a pad or something like that, if there's that one instrument where you just can't get it to stand out how you'd like, but the thing is, as soon as you mute it, you'll actually hear that your song is missing an element. It's missing its fullness. But as soon as you add it back in, you hear the fullness, but you really can't hear that instrument audibly sometimes. So that's what I'm trying to say. When you hit play, does your song sound like a song? Is it nice and full? Okay. It's a really, really important concept to understand and to get your mind thinking when you're mixing. That way you're not going to be over-processing and doing kind of stuff like that. Now let's just talk about some kind of helpful tips to improve your mixing, you know, this will kind of get you up and running uh, to at least kind of steer you in the right direction. Again, it's all going to be about practice, practice, practice. Watch tons of videos just to kind of get an understanding of, you know, what is the point of mixing and and how do you approach it? What are your different tools? Um, but in short, you know, what you want to be doing is you want to be routing each individual sound to your actual mixer. OK, so each sound has its own mixer insert. That way you have full control over the volume. And if you want to add on the EQ, compression or various types of tools, okay? And then to take it even further, I do have a course that's called FL Studio Mixer Workflow and it shows you how to route these inserts to sends and subgroups to have more control over your mixing. But that is like the next approach. So as soon as your sounds are on their own individual mixer inserts, now you can route them to kind of sends or put them into subgroups just to allow for easier mixing. So once you actually have your sounds on like the mixer on their each individual mixer insert, now it's just a matter of, you know, mixing the track. And the first step there, in my opinion, would be to adjust your volumes. And this is what's called, you know, gain staging. You have to be careful if you are working with analog plugins, because analog plugins, if you drive them too hard, 
it will cause distortion because they're like an emulation of real analog gear where if you drive it too hard, you're going to get distortion, okay? However, there is the myth out there that if you drive it too hard, you know, on an individual insert that you're going to get distortion. But since these actual DAWs are 32-bit floating point, you actually can drive your audio as hard as you want into an actual individual insert. You just have to make sure it's churned down before it goes to the master, okay? I don't want to get too much into it, but that is a myth that is commonly talked about, uh, you know, in videos and stuff like that. I explain this more in my course, uh, the FL Studio Intermediate course, the one I just recently released. In that course, we talk about, you know, mixing, arrangement, and mastering with the new LUFS standards. Again, all the links will be in the resource section on this episode page. Okay, so I just want to talk a little bit about some tips to improve your mixing, okay? So when you're first starting up, the first thing you want to do is create a draft copy so you can practice and then you want to compare your mix to your original song, okay? So now imagine you've made a beat, okay? Now it's ready to mix. I would actually save an original copy and I would just put dash mixing to whatever the song name is, okay? Mix that actual track and then export it, okay? Now compare the original track that was unmixed to your mixed version. This is gonna help you improve over your years and as I was saying in my early years, when I first started mixing, I would do this, I would do the comparison and I would typically like the non-mixed version. And the reason for that is many times I would actually over-process. I would go too heavy on EQ, you know, and stuff like that. And the thing is with music nowadays see back in the day with analog gear you know if they're actually recording guitars or recording voices and stuff typically they have to be more aggressive with eq and these types of tools because you see when we mix our music which is digital you know we're using vsts which are you know digital which is extremely high quality right off the start we're using eq to enhance a song typically when you're recording audio, you're using EQ to actually fix problems or, you know, you're using it more aggressively. But nowadays with digital, you're using EQ to, again, enhance what's already going on because it's already high quality. You might just be ducking a little bit here and there, but back in the day, you might have been more aggressive to get that sound sounding better. So in my early days, I was always just too aggressive on my settings. And then again, when I would go to compare the old version to my mixed version, I would typically like the old version because that's how I made the beat. That's how it sounded. But then when I mixed it, it kind of changed the overall sound of the music. The next point is mixing in solo is dangerous. So here's a little example, okay? So imagine you're mixing your track and then there's like, let's say the piano and the piano, you know, you just can't get it to sound how you'd like. So what you do is in FL Studio, you would go to the insert, you'd right click, on the mute knob and that would solo it out for you. So now you're listening to the piano just solo. Now, you know, if you take out some EQ and some cre and some compression and now you're actually being, you know, you're applying mixing techniques without referencing it to the actual mix. Now, what you'll discover is you're gonna spend lots of time soloing out a sound, you're gonna be processing it, and you know, you can spend up to 15, 20 minutes doing this, and trust me, I've done this in my early years, and then what happens is you go to add that piano back into the mix, and you think to yourself, you're like, ooh, like this doesn't even suit the song anymore. And the reason for that is because you were mixing in solo. Now you can mix in solo, but you have to do it quickly and then always reference back to the whole song, okay? So now how I would approach it is now let's say that piano isn't standing out how you'd like or you can't get that sound. Now, you know, you might want to solo it out 
and just kind of quickly adjust it, but then always add it back into the mix. Again, you can just right click on the mute knob in FL Studio and you can solo it out or you can bring back all the instruments, okay? And that's how you're gonna wanna mix, okay? You always wanna reference it in context of the actual song. This is gonna speed you up. It's gonna give you a better outlook on the adjustments that you are doing to your song, okay? Again, when you solo out a sound, you have no idea in context of the mix how it's gonna sound. Uh, then when you add it back in, let's say 15, 20 minutes later, it's not gonna relate to the song because you're mixing in solo, especially you know when you're dealing with drums and all that kind of stuff. You can solo, but you have to do it quickly and then always reference back to the whole song. The next point is you always want a fair volume comparison. So what this means is when you turn the plugin off and on, is there a fair level? Okay, like so is the level similar? And if it's not, what's going to happen is you're going to be skewed towards thinking that the louder one sounds better. Now in FL Studio, uh, you know, like so let's say you have an EQ compressor and then let's say another uh, EQ or something like that. When you turn off all the plugins, because on each individual insert near the bottom, there's like a master on off for the plugins. You know, I try to adjust my plugins so that they're always in even uh, volume, no matter if I turn off the actual individual effect or if I turn off the effects as a whole. And again, this is going to help you make more accurate mixing decisions because you're actually listening with a fair volume comparison in context of the whole mix. So when you turn the plugin off and on, that it's a fair volume comparison. This is going to be a game changer for you if this is not something that you do, okay? Because now you're going to actually be able to listen uh, more accurately with more proper judgment. You know, you're not skewed in terms of loudness. You're actually listening in terms of your actual EQ decisions or your actual compression decisions, okay? Now, most plugins, they have a tool called A and B, okay? This allows you to dial in two different settings and compare between what you like best. The Fruity Limiter allows you to do this as well as the Parametric EQ2. It allows you to have an A and B so you can switch in between uh, two different you know, settings. But again, you know, always want that fair volume comparison. But let's just talk about compression, for example. So, you know, with a compressor, you might want to put the threshold really low, but then have like a low ratio, open up the attack or something, and then you can, you know, save that state. Now you'd go to B. Now you maybe want to open up that threshold, you know, bring it up a bit, uh, maybe a bit more aggressive ratio, and then maybe clamp down on the attack a little bit more. Uh, again, now you'd want to adjust a fair volume comparison. So when you switch between A and B, you can hear how it sounds. Okay, and you know, this is how I mix my music. And again, it just allows you to make more accurate decisions and it lets you hear from a fair judgment standpoint, which is extremely important, okay? Uh, let's just talk about uh, your baseline for a second, okay? So in your low end, you always wanna be making sure that your low end is nice and clean. Uh, typically, you want to like remove uh, any kind of stereo content in the low end. When you have tools like uh, FabFilter Pro-Q or something, you can just uh, have a stereo low cut filter and just kind of take some like the lows out there. Or uh, if you have like a multi-band compressor where it allows you to do like stereo and mono, you can kind of remove the stereo content out of like the low lows. Um, and the reason for this is just so that your actual low end is mono and therefore it's not going to be skewed if it goes to like a mono system. You know, you always know that your mono content is hitting nice and hard, it's nice and clean. But with that said, if your actual low end isn't clean, um, 
typically what you'll want to be doing is, you know, you want to side chain compression. So your kick drum, you, you want to allow it to kind of reduce the volume of the bass line. Now, I actually have a track that I was working on, and I just want to show you when it comes to the bass line, where we can be using this side chain compression to help that uh, kick drum stand out and make it not clash with the bass line, okay? At the moment, this track is called Things Have Yet To Come. I'll let you listen to a bit of the chorus, and then we're going to solo out the kick drum and the bass, and we're going to hear the actual sidechain compression more in depth, okay? So this is just kind of a rough mix I have going on at the moment. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to solo out the kick and the bass, okay? And we're going to listen to those together. Okay, so this is how I have it mixed. So what you should be hearing is the kick drum is a lot cleaner and it's not fighting with that bass line. I'm gonna turn it off. Okay, so one thing that I'm hearing is that there's not much groove going on as well as that bass line is a bit muddy, right? It's sounding, it's kind of fighting with the kick drum. So I'm gonna enable it. Okay, so I'm actually being quite aggressive on the sidechain compression. I would actually bring it up a little bit. And we're gonna turn it off and on one more time. So right now it's enabled. Now it's off. On. Okay, so it's a really subtle thing, but it really helps your kick drum and bass line just sound a lot cleaner. They're not fighting for that frequency space. It just allows it to hit nice and hard and make your mix sound a lot cleaner, okay? Uh, if you want more information on sidechain compression, there's tons and tons of videos out there on YouTube, as well as I kind of break it down in uh, quite a few of my courses. Uh, one of them is Why Do We Producers Use Compression, as well as the FL Studio Intermediate course, as well as um, FL Studio Mixer Workflow, okay? So I just want to you know, let you know that uh, I do have a lot of courses on these different mixing tools. Like they're all separate courses. So for example, if you want to learn about EQ, I have a course that's called using EQ effectively in your songs. I talk about, you know, how to use EQ, the pros and cons of it, what to be careful of and best practices. Uh, if you want to learn about compression, again, I have why do we producers use compression? I also have this FL Studio intermediate course, and that's going to teach you mixing, arrangement, as well as mastering with the new LUFS standards, okay? Again, all the links will be in the resource section of this episode. The last thing I want to talk about before we end this episode is just this analog versus digital debate. Now, for those of you who have listened to like the first episode, so I am actually an electrician. So what that means is that I have gone to school. I understand about, you know, electricity for like the most part when in like the theory with like volts, amps, uh, ohms and like Ohm's law and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, now, the thing is being an electrician, we typically learn about like power, you know, so for example, in North America, you know, it's 120 volts and, and you know, stuff like that. So like we're more like, you know, power, whereas uh, audio is more like signal, you know, so it's, it's quite, you know, lower, um, you know, voltages and like lower power. But the thing is, uh, you know, they more deal with a lot of like capacitance and inductance. And even though I've learned this stuff as an electrician, uh, we didn't learn it like in depth. And 
that's where eventually in my life, I would like to start learning this stuff. Like I would like to learn how to put together like a real audio compressor, like just for the sake of knowing how it, how it works and just trying it out. Like now I'm not saying that I would build it to use it. I would just want to build it to know how it works. Uh, and the reason why I'm talking like this is because I'm really tired of kind of listening to like the older generation of engineers talk about like this old vintage gear. Like in my opinion, like I really feel that they have like this nostalgic love towards this analog gear that they're, they're not wanting to let go of. Now, I understand that, you know, this old gear is the reason why we have a lot of our old kind of classic hits, but I also feel that times have changed, right? Because if you think about it, like digital is way easier than analog. We can recall old projects like on like the fly, you know, it's just a matter of opening up a project, all your you know, VSTs, all like their plug-in states, like everything is saved and you can achieve, you know, the exact same sound in your computer. You know, there's always been like that debate of in the box ITB, which is, you know, just mixing inside your computer using these, you know, digital plugins uh, to achieve the same sound as analog. You know, there's always like that debate of like, oh, in the box is cold, analog is warm. He kind of opens it up and, you know, so what I want you to do is I, I want you to go to Sweetwater, okay? You know, if you don't know what Sweetwater is, they're a really, really popular uh, website that sells audio gear, okay? I want you to go to the mastering section on Sweetwater. Look at the EQs, look at the compressors. These things are like 7,000 US dollars for a, a compressor. I'm in Canada, like that's gonna cost me like 85 to like $9,000. In my opinion, I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Like computers have come such a long way over the years and you know, this debate of analog versus digital, I truly believe that digital wins uh, for convenience, for price, for space. Like you don't need anywhere to store this stuff. You simply just need a, a, a decent computer. So again, you know, I understand that this old analog gear has got us to where we are, as well as, you know, the old generation of mixing engineers have also kind of paved the way for us new producers in a sense of a lot of these strategies and a lot of these techniques, which is awesome. You know, I'm very thankful for towards that stuff. But I also feel that we new producers have to be careful of what they are holding on to and not wanting to let go of, you know, again. I, tr I truly do not believe that you need a $7,000 compressor to compete with these other songs on the radio, okay? So again, that's just more my opinion, but I don't know. Whenever I, you know, I'm on YouTube and I'm just trying to watch some videos on compression or something, you always have that one older, uh, you know, tutorialist talking about, oh, how they love the sound of this compressor and oh, how they love the sound of this and this. And it's like, I get it. Like, you know, like they give you a certain sound. Um, but nowadays we have plugins. Uh, there's emulations of these loved compressors. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I kind of find it annoying. It's just a matter of like, when I make my music, I make my music. If I'm gonna be using a compressor, I'm using it for a certain reason. Let me know what you guys think. If you're kind of on that same page as what I'm speaking here, like I get it, analog is cool. You know, it's fun to play with this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's extremely expensive. It takes up space in your studio, as well as you cannot recall presets. Anyway, so that's pretty much this episode, you know, pretty much you know, mixing as well as this kind of analog and digital debate of, you know, kind of where it's at. Um, I truly believe that this will be something going on forever. Just people that love that hands-on feeling versus people who kind of like the more minimal approach. And, you know, I, I personally like the digital way. It's just, it's simple. 
If you want to purchase, you know, a compressor, you know, sure, this plugin might be $200, but compare that to a $7,000 compressor, I'm pretty sure you can get extremely similar results. And the thing is, you always have to be thinking about from a listener standpoint, like I'm talking like think about like your mom or like think about your friends. Like these are the types of people that are going to be listening to your music. People that have no audio education whatsoever. They have no idea what the difference between a wave and an MP3 is. And, you know, even with an MP3, like, you know, yeah, they might know the difference that 320 is higher quality than like 128. But can they really hear a difference, you know, because you really have to kind of like train your ear to hear these kind of shortcomings of MP3, especially at like the lower bit rates. Again, if you guys want to check out any of the courses or, you know, check out my new skateboard, I'm going to be taking pictures and all those links will be on this actual episode page. So if you guys have any questions, always feel free to reach out to me. I'm Gratuitous. I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Thanks for checking out the episode. If you had any questions, visit itsgratuitous.com slash podcast, select an episode and submit your question at the bottom of the page to the contact form. If you'd like to take my FL Studio courses, see my current studio and podcasting gear, read my books or are interested in lessons, visit the link itsgratuitous.com slash learning. That page will redirect you to more info and resources. I hope the best with your productions. I'm Gratuitous and I'll see you in the next episode.